What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bullen, still cracking up over a joke that you told right before we went on air. Oh, that was an elementary school joke. <laughs> I had never heard it. That was a, an old one. Old one. Maybe we'll get to that on the air. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, one day. All right. So, yeah, one day. Not today. Today, we're going to talk about celebrity race car drivers. Mm-hmm. And this is a topic that was a listener suggestion. Right. Yeah, yeah. Our uh, buddy Sean wrote to us, right? Yeah. Sean wrote in um, earlier this month, I think, and said... Hey, Scott and Ben, I was listening to the Obscure Vehicle Podcast this morning, and another idea came to mind. Have you all done a podcast on celebrity race drivers? I know of a few offhand, and he mentions Walter Cronkite, who, by the way, competed in the 12 Hours of Sebring, and that was way back in 1959. Brian Johnson of ACDC, who raced in the Daytona 24 Hours, uh, that was, I think, the 2012 race. He finished something like 12th. In the prototype class. Uh-huh. I'm adding this information. Oh, as we okay. go. Yeah. Um, Paul Newman, who raced for years. I think a lot of people knew that one. Mm-hmm. Um, actor Patrick Dempsey and Angels pitcher CJ Wilson own race teams as well. Um, but I know that there must be more that I can't recall. So if you guys would do something like this, you know, there, here's, there's plenty of ammo for a podcast episode. And, yeah. uh, and he says, thanks a lot, Sean. And, uh, in response, to, in response to Sean's email, um, I suggested that maybe we might even mention, uh, some celebrity challenge type races. Nice. And, uh, and I think we'll get to that maybe towards the end of this podcast because yeah. there's some interesting subcategories of that that we want to talk about. <laughs> uh, but Ben, man, I was digging into this, uh, all week uh-huh. and I have, I found a pretty significant list of celebrity drivers. Yeah. The, it's interesting because what we found was that there seems to be some sort of commonality here in terms of psychological traits, right? Yeah, I think so. And I, a lot of these are just me guessing, really. Okay. I mean, I'm not, there's nothing behind this. There's no science behind this. Neither okay? of us are psychiatrists. But, but I was wondering why celebrities like to race. And, and 
I don't know if that's even really true or not. If it's maybe just, you know, a small, small percentage, but those are the ones we hear about because they're in the news because they're celebrities. So uh-huh. there's kind of this roundabout thing that's happening. I, I don't know if it's for, for sure or not, but it seems like they're drawn to it. Okay. What I was, you, why? I was thinking that, it, you know, for one, it could be opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's a film role that, that spawns this interest in racing with them. Cause, you know, let's say they're going to play a driver, uh, Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder or, um, James Garner in, uh, I think it was in a Grand Prix movie that he did. Mm-hmm. You know, those, you know, piqued an interest in, in a, uh, in a particular actor. And they said, you know, I might try this for a little while in addition to acting and just see which pans out better or I'll do both simultaneously and see how it works. Um, also, you know, celebrities, they typically have a lot of cash on hand, right? Oh, very good point. And that leads to availability of doing stuff like this. I mean, you know, you've got time to take, you know, a couple of months off if you want to and, uh, and tour with the SCCA circuit, you know, and decide that you're going to race in a few different places with, uh, you know, that great $20,000 beater car that you just bought, you know, and, and really put a lot of money into it, make it the best race car and see what you can do. Uh, yeah. So it's maybe availability or opportunity in that way. There's also, um, you know, potential associations with race car drivers because, you know, these people are at, at parties and things. They're, you know, rubbing elbows with, uh, you know, some celebrities, I guess. And, and well, oftentimes right. race car drivers are considered celebrities as well, which yeah. I want to talk about that in a minute too. Um, and connections maybe with manufacturers, you know, they've done sponsorships with, let's say Ford or, mm-hmm. uh, Maserati or whoever. I don't know. Right. Um, you know, Aston Martin and, uh, you know, Hey, by the way, you know, maybe why don't you come out to the track and see what we do, you know, on a, on a race weekend. And then, you know, that leads to, why don't I take you for a hot lap and see if you like that? And then, you know, they say like, well, you know what, how about I sit in the driver's seat for one lap, you know, just a parade lap and see how that goes. And it progresses from there. And maybe they kind of work their way into the driver's seat. They get hooked. Yeah, they get hooked. And and I think that's what's going on. Um, There could be just, you know, straight publicity reasons. You know, they want to get their face out there one more time, you know, in a different uh, arena, different field, I guess. Maybe that's another possibility. You know, and also, Ben, you gotta, you can't ignore the ego part of this whole thing. <laughs> the, you know, some of it could be ego driven in some cases that, you know, I, I can, I can act so well, you know, why wouldn't I be able to be a race car driver? Because it's an adrenaline sport and I'm an, an adrenaline actor, you know. Well, yeah, see, I think that there is a psychological aspect in some cases because when we look at entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and when we look at uh, a lot of successful actors too, or at least, um, many successful actors. Then we look at race car drivers. Uh, one thing that we find, especially in the case of race car drivers and entrepreneurs, is that there is this drive to encounter and embrace obstacles. Mm-hmm. And there's also a, um, there's also a danger high. Sure. A risk, uh, a high that they get from, uh, taking risks. And I think for many actors, that could also be the case. Now, yeah, we see that yeah. with uh, with like Vin Diesel and right. uh, who was the other one? Paul. Uh, Paul Walker. Paul Walker, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. that's infamously. Oh, we know what happened there. Right. Uh, but when we when we look at this, I think some of the explanations that you offer that are not psychological are just as, if not more so important. You think the so? opportunity, the motive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that, I think that comes into play here, and we'll never know exactly why everybody gets into it. There's also the rare case where someone has a, a, a just a pure natural talent for something like this, and they try it. You know, like I said, they try it with a with a um, a film role, 
you know, they're they're given a seat oh, in a yeah. race car or yeah, something. And it just turns out they're amazing. And and someone on the set says, you know, you're really good at this. Yeah. And you know, maybe maybe another driver, you know, someone who's uh, you know, a paid uh, you know, someone who's paid to make a cameo in the movie says, hey, you know what? Acting doesn't work out. Give this a shot. You know, kind of joking, but then they take that to heart and they uh, and they decide, <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe I should try that. I've got a, I got a boatload of money. Maybe I'll buy a race car and see what happens. That's not that's not a bad idea, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens to a lot of other things where uh, someone has a natural affinity for music or something, mm-hmm. and then they learn about that on set. And you don't find out until you know you're thirty, thirty five years old, something like that. But uh, you know, still, you take advantage of it, right? Yeah. Now, another thing that I mentioned briefly there, and I know this is kind of a long intro to this whole thing, because sure. we're we're going to get to a list of some of uh, some of the ones that we found. Uh, but I think that that we also need to think about this. That sometimes I would argue that that some race car drivers become celebrities just because of what they do, and there's a few examples of these that I can point to, and I'm sure that you know everybody's got their own favorite race driver, especially in our audience. You know, people are right. addicted to racing, but think about people like Mario Andretti. He's not really an actor or anything like that, but you know, everybody knows Mario Andretti's name. Everybody. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter if you're a race fan or not. I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a pop culture reference. You know, you drive like Mario Andretti or, hey, uh-huh. slow down, Mario. You know, slow down, Andretti. And, and the same thing with Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Exactly right. Yeah, and there's uh, Richard Petty. I think everybody mm-hmm. knows who Richard Petty is. Yeah. And he's he's got sort of a, a, a semi-celebrity um, status going, if not a full-on celebrity status, I guess. People yeah. know him when they see him. Um, people like, you know, I guess Michael Schumacher would be one. Uh-huh. Lewis Hamilton, who's an F1 driver, who was just named Britain's, uh, richest sportsman, by the way. He's oh, got, yeah, I saw that. He's got a fortune of like 68 million pounds uh. from race driving, but everybody knows him. Everybody knows his face. What, what about Sir Jackie Stewart or Danica Patrick or, oh, a good one, Ayrton Senna. I was waiting. I didn't want to steal the lead. Now, Senna, he, now, j- just this month, Ben, in, uh, May 1st, he has been gone for 20 years now. He died in 1994. Yeah. But everybody knows Ayrton Senna's name. And so, a lot of it has to do with that film, too. I mean, I would tell you, I would say that Ayrton Senna has celebrity status. I would say so. And it may, it may continue. It depends upon how, uh, how it reverberates in pop culture. But mm-hmm. the point is absolutely valid. There are celebrities for nothing more than race car driving, which let me let me fix that because I don't want to sound as though I'm dismissing it. I think driving I think driving a race car is a rare talent. And often if you're not involved with racing or if you don't follow it, it's easy for people to say, oh, this is just some guy in a car. But it is totally not. You know what, Ben? You are leading in perfectly to what I want to say here because, you know, we mentioned natural talent and you said that it, it's, it's definitely not something that everybody can do and do well. Absolutely. Or, no, I should say everybody can do it, you know, in a way, I guess. Yeah. But not everybody can do it well. And there are a few people that can do it really, really well. And two that I would like to bring up right now, just right at the top of this whole thing that okay. apparently these guys have what they call immense natural talent for this sport. And, oh. and two guys that, you know, may not think of, cause these are older guys now. These are, these are guys both in their mid eighties at this point, Ben. Gene Hackman and James Garner. Now, uh. Gene Hackman was, uh, what was he in? Let's see. He was, um, in the Royal Tenenbaums. He's in, uh, the French Connection. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of different films. He's been on television, of course, but you know, better known for his movies, I guess. He's 84 now, but he was supposed to have, um, just this raw natural talent and this ability to drive. And uh, James Garner, who is said to have the same type of thing. Now, he did a lot of television. He did some movies. The one particular movie that, that James Garner did that led him into 
um, in a lot of a lot of racing off screen uh, was a movie called Grand Prix that was in out in 1966. And I guess that led him with this uh, this extreme fascination with with Formula One and Grand Prix racing. Um, he did a lot of other things like the Rockford Files and um, Eight Simple Rules, some of the television series you might have heard of. Um, old timer at this point, you know, being 86, but um, he was really, really good at this. And if you look up, for, I mean, again, all these people do a search for Gene Hackman racing, Gene Hackman, um, you know, uh, race car driver or something like that. You're going to find photos of him in the car, with the car, at the pits. Yeah. Um, with some of the, the big names of racing at the time when he was doing it. Oh, and yeah. Same and, with James Garner. And he did some serious stuff because I think he was, he was even in the, uh, 83, 1983, 24 hours Daytona. Gene yeah. Hackman. Exactly. Yeah. These guys have some real, um, serious worldwide races under their belts. I mean, they've, they've, right. they've competed in actual contests. It's not like just going out to the local track and competing, which again is a lot of fun and everything, but these guys are competing in some of the, the world renowned events. Oh yeah. And uh they're not the only ones. Scott, shall we kick off uh one of our lists here? Yeah, how about this? Let's just say that we've got two lists that we're gonna go through quickly. Sure. Yeah. And we'll just kind of quickly go through them uh, and see where it takes us. How about that? I'm uh, I'm in. All right. So what's number eight on this list of top eight? Oh, uh, a number eight is Frankie Muniz. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, this comes from a Super Compressor article, by the way. The site's called Super Compressor. Uh, Frankie Muniz. You wouldn't probably think that he was a race car driver. I mean, he's uh, the guy from Malcolm in the Middle, right? Yep. Malcolm. Yep. Yeah. And he was also in. Uh, let's see. What was he else in? Uh, oh, he's a voice in uh, the Fairly Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah, played uh, Chester, I think, is his voice. Uh, but I guess the, he has a uh, an affinity for open wheel racing, right? Yeah, he worked his way up from the ranks too, because he was at Formula BMW and worked up to Formula Atlantic. Yeah, that's right. And they said that if he uh, if he had stuck with it with a progression, uh, he could have easily been in the in the middle of the Indy 500. Which I don't, I guess you know, it's easy to say that you know he could have worked his way all the way up to that point. That's really major league at that point. But right. I guess he had a real good talent for the a real sharp talent for this. And yeah. uh, I kind of wish he had stuck with it. I'd like to see him doing it. And he's not the only one who had a raw talent because the next on our list is a guy who has, oh, this might be his, what, his third or fourth appearance on the Car Stuff show. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. And uh, this is someone who passed away 60, what, almost 60 years ago, 59 years ago, something like yeah. that. Long time ago. Uh, James Dean. And, uh, you know, we know James Dean's accident, of course, and the cursed Porsche that, you know, mm-hmm. supposedly is still out there, the pieces. But um, I guess he had a real talent, a natural talent, again, for racing. And, um, you know, he's only in like three movies. He wasn't really in a lot of movies. He did some, te- did he do television, I think? He did some shorts, maybe. Right. I he think w- that was it. He wasn't in uh, too much oh. uh, entertainment. He wasn't in too many races, either. I-, I think I know what you're, I think I know what it was, Ben. I think he had, he had some smaller roles. He only had three major roles, I ah, guess. Ah, okay. And that was why most people say he's in three major roles in movies. Uh, but by most accounts, they say Dean had an incredible amount of natural talent, and they said that the movie schedule was interfering with his driving schedule. That was really his biggest problem, why he never really pursued the driving career. But, you know, because of that, he was pretty limited to what he could do, but he always did place really well whenever he did race. So he did pretty uh, pretty solidly, I guess, in everything that he competed in. But, like they say, with every story about James Dean, we'll never know what could have happened. Now, let me go ahead and take it to a little bit of a lighter note with the one who surprised me the most out of all the people we found. Really? he It just surprised me huh. that Rowan Atkinson, who I grew up knowing as Mr. Bean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Many people did. Yeah, that that he is actually, 
he's actually a pretty wild racer. Now, this is known to the British public. This is known to a lot of racing fans. I knew he was a car guy, yeah, but I didn't know that he was racing them. Yeah, and he's racing at a pretty high level, too. I mean, he raced in the 1980s in a Renault 5 Turbo. And then most recently, I guess, he's been racing alongside the uh, the guy who owns Aston Martin in Aston Martins, which is really cool. Yeah. It's a pretty good gig, right? Yeah. Now, Rowan Atkinson, you mentioned that he's a car guy. You, you've seen his car collection. I mean, he's, I don't know if he's yeah. got a necessarily a collection, but he's got a few really standout vehicles that we've seen in, in the press. Yeah. And one in particular is that McLaren. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the McLaren F1 that he is, what, uh, he's infamously crashed. Two times. Two times. Yeah. yeah, and people go insane whenever he crashes something like this. But you know, this guy—he's apparently he's an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, you'd I never, so. you'd never guess it watching a Mr. Bean film. No, because he's acting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's perfectly right. Yeah. Um. Uh. There's another interesting person on this list here, which uh, is not really, not really my thing, but I, I was inundated with people who loved this when I was when I was younger. Oh no. Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. At some point, all these girls in my school were just in love with Jason Priestley. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't get it. Well, guy was, uh, he's a good looking guy. Apparently, he's a race car driver. He's an actor. I mean, he's, he had everything going for him, right? Yeah, he's got everything going. What about us regular folks? <laughs> you know, I think he's a, you don't need to be jealous, Ben. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's, he had some <laughs> tough times as well, as we'll find out, because what ended his driving career was that uh, he had a, oh, man, he had a, a spin-out at mm-hmm. something like 180 miles per hour in, uh, I think it was in, in at the Kentucky Speedway. Right. Um, around, like, 2012, I believe it was. And uh, a serious, serious accident that uh, actually, I, th- I believe for a short time, he was legally dead. Yeah, it killed him. Yeah, it killed him. And for he was, a little less than a minute. He was brought back, but he had something like a, he had a fractured spine, a closed head injury, he, he had a broken nose. Broken bones in both feet. I mean, it was really a, a pretty bad wreck. Um, and I think that's kind of, uh, cooled him to the, to the racing, uh, circuit. But, you know, they say that, you know, he, again, had natural talent. He really right. liked doing it. He, uh, he really enjoyed it. He was, um, I guess in the Infinity Pro series when this happened. And that's the feeder series yep. for IndyCar, which, uh, he was on his way, Ben. His trajectory was looking good. It definitely was. But I guess he got a little spooked by this and, and rightfully so, I think. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. 
Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You know, everybody has their own wellness routine, their own approach to a healthy lifestyle. A lot of the most successful ones include herbs like ginger root, ashwagandha, and so many others. Nature's Way has been sourcing herbs like those for over 50 years. They understand that nature is the ultimate problem solver. So they're dedicated to providing plant-powered formulas to help people live healthier lives. Their herbs can support your health in so many ways. For instance, ginger root and slippery elm bark have both been used for centuries all over the world. Ginger root has traditionally been used to soothe occasional digestive upset and slippery elm bark to soothe the GI tract. St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support, which is something we can all use in our modern life. I mean, these herbs come from all over the world, but Nature's Way knows where the best ones grow. They test for potency in their state-of-the-art lab, and their scientists are experts in all things herbs. What's on the label is what's in your bottle, and what's in your bottle are the best herbs around. To learn more, visit naturesway.com. So before we talk about number four, Tim Allen's racing career, Mm -hmm. I want to say that most people who've only seen Home Improvement no idea Tim Allen is really about. This man has led a storied life, mm-hmm. including uh, a past doing some criminal smuggling, uh, which uh, many people didn't know about for a while, including a past doing some fantastic stand-up mm-hmm. that would never see the light of day on television back when Home Improvement was being made. No, no, no. But I, I love his stand-up routine. I thought his stand-up was really, really funny. I did, too. Uh, and he, it turns out, uh, is also pretty good on a racetrack. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a serious racer. Now he raced alongside uh, Mustang tuner Steve Sailing, mm-hmm. uh, Sailing rather, at the 24 Hours of Daytona, which is uh, that's pretty impressive, really. I mean, to uh, to pair up with somebody like that, and you can actually see video yeah. of of Tim uh, behind the wheel. You know, which is he's doing a decent job. They didn't say that you know they placed anywhere in the top or anything like that, but I guess they held their own. He didn't embarrass himself. No, exactly right, and that's what's really important. I mean, uh, this is the car guy. I mean, he's he's definitely into that type of life. He's the like the Motor City guy. Sure. He's into into cars and you know hot rods and all that stuff. As you remember, do you remember on Home Improvement? He always had that hot rod project in the yeah, garage. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't <laughs> know if you watch his latest sitcom, which is called Last Man Standing. He drives a um, a 1953 Ford F1 F100, I believe. Oh, beautiful! A green okay. one. I didn't know. It's that. debadged, of course. You know, right. for the for the uh, for the sitcom, but it's a really cool truck. And um, so he's there's little hints at at his um, you know car guy past, I guess. Yeah. And uh, you know he's I guess a serious competitor when he's out there. Yeah, that sounds cool because it sounds like he might still be. Uh, he he might still be interested. I think he's young enough that he could do that. Yeah, I, if I don't, he wants. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason. I mean, we'll find out that one of the one of the guys on our list here drove all the way up until they're seventy competitively, which is wild. Yeah. Uh, okay, so number three uh, is this guy is uh, pretty big in the world of racing. Actually, yeah, he's really, got a history. Actually, yeah. really big into yeah. uh, some some big time racing. Now, this is uh, Patrick Dempsey. And I think, is that the one that, uh, yeah, that's one that Sean mentioned in his email early on. Yep. But, um, now he started racing, I guess, um, just trying, to, <laughs> trying to emulate Paul Newman, uh, which is kind of funny. I mean, that's, uh, you know, like, well, I'm an actor, I'm a racer, you know, that kind of thing. He, he right. felt like I've got the swagger to do this type Next of thing, up right? Next is the, uh, nonprofit food company. Yeah. But I guess when, when, you know, they found out, like, this guy's really got what it takes again. He's another one with good talent, you know, great talent. Yep. Um, they had a, po- I guess he had a podium finish at the Daytona 24 hours. And, um, I don't know, I guess 
they say that, you know, he's got a good shot at actually winning Lama in one of the next upcoming years. I mean, I don't, I can't remember if he's competing there yet or not, or if he has competed there or not, but, uh, they say that over the next few years, he's actually got a really good shot of actually winning. If not, you know, if not just a podium finish. And his, uh, just to let you know about his priorities, he schedules filming around his driving schedule. Yeah, that's right, because right now he's on Grey's Anatomy. He was in, uh, Transformers, I think, and he's been in, in a couple of movies like Enchanted, things like that. So, uh, but the big deal, I guess, is Grey's Anatomy. That's where most people will know him from. Hey, listeners, can you guess who is number two on this list? <laughs> we just mentioned him. Yeah, it's, that's right. It's Paul Newman. Yeah. Uh, Paul Newman, the acting legend and all around good guy, uh, raced so well in the eighties and the nineties, uh, that he achieved the level of racing success that many professional racers never reach. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, you'll know him from a lot of different movies like Cool Hand Luke, which is, by the way, my absolute favorite movie is it, of, is it? of all time. But no one can eat 50 eggs, Scott. <laughs> I just love that film. Cool Hand Luke is such a cool film. If you haven't watched it, this isn't an ad or anything. No, no, no. Cool Hand Luke from 1967. You should check it out. That's if you've great. never seen it, it's a great film. Uh, Slapshot, which we've talked about. Cars, uh, you know, the movie Cars. Uh, Color of Money. Yeah, that's a good one too. Road to Perdition. He's been in a lot of different films, but yeah. uh, he was very, very successful, as you mentioned, Ben. Um, he had his, uh, I guess his interest in racing started in 1969. There was a movie called Winning that he was in. Uh-huh. And he played, um, this guy who had dreams of running in the Indy 500. And of course, that got him behind the wheel of an Indy 500 car at the time in 1969. And, you know, how cool would that be? I mean, to be able to, to just be handed that opportunity to drive something like that. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to want to <laughs> pursue that. And we'll find with, you know, some of the other people we're going to mention later that, uh, that that's exactly what happened with them as well. Now, he raced in, um, uh, SCCA an awful lot. I mean, I know that he, um, he competed in, you know, some of the, the sport, well, again, that's Sports Car Club of America. Oh, wait, and, wait, wait. I'm sorry to interrupt. Scott. Oh, sure. What does that stand for? Oh, SCCA? There's a couple of different, uh, things that that stands for. You know, we can go into it. How about right after Paul Newman here, before we get to our number one, we'll talk about what else SCCA can stand for besides <laughs> Sports Car Club of, of America. And, uh, it may not surprise many listeners, but we'll find out. Um, so he also had a, uh, a racing team, an indie right. team. Yeah, yeah, one of the most successful indie teams of all time. Yeah, Newman Haas Racing, and uh, that formed around 1983, I believe. And as far as IndyCar goes, I mean, they were very successful. They had 107 victories, eight drivers' championships over that time. So very, very successful team. And uh, you know, the, I guess the tradition carries on, I suppose, because you know we we lost. Uh, Paul Newman, and uh, I think it was around 2008. He was like 83 years old when he when he died. Right. Um, but again, a legend. You know, for for more than just you know his salad dressing and his popcorn and all that, because a lot of people just know him for that. But I think that you know, aside from that, in which was a charity driven thing, you know, he, he donates all proceeds to charity. Right. He was also known for his acting, of course. But but people on the racetrack still think of him as uh, as one of the top guys that have ever been out there. I mean, he's a a, a real real contender. One uh one other thing, do we already mention this that he holds a uh Guinness World Record level achievement? And what is that? Uh the oldest man to ever win his class at twenty four hours over Daytona. Oh, we briefly mentioned that, uh, but that but that was who it was. We didn't yeah, say who yeah. it was. Yeah, it's Paul Newman. Yeah. Uh week over seventy years old. Yeah, he he won he won in his class at the twenty four hours of Daytona when he was when he was seventy years old. How how cool is that? And how many how many like mid twenty year old guys were there? 
Oh yeah, just cursing blue blazes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I don't know if you could be mad. And and you know, people still. I mean, they they carry on his name, I guess, on the track because the the Paul Newman cars are still out there and they run in historic events. So um, Adam Carolla, who we who we know is uh, you know a, a fan, which we're going to talk about Adam in just a minute. Yep. Um, but he owns and races five of Newman's old race cars in historic races. So you'll see Paul Newman's cars out there occasionally at these historic events. Now. We talked about the other uh, meeting, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, because uh, what was that acronym again? That's <laughs> SCCA. Okay. And, uh, you know, you think that would stand for Sports Car Club of America, right? Well, that's what I was pretty sure about. I wanted to double-check. I understand there might be another meeting. Yeah, the second meeting, Ben, apparently is Sea Cruise Crash Again. Uh, now, we're talking about Tom Cruise, and we're talking about some a very specific uh, point in time. And we're talking about the late 1980s, and this is pre Days of Thunder for, for Tom Cruise. Right? Okay. So he knows that he's getting this role and the movie studios have told him like, you know, you, what you need to do is you need to immerse yourself in racing. You need to Go figure prepare. out. Yeah. You need to figure out what this is all about. So you don't make a fool of yourself out on the track, you know, get really in, really get into this role and, uh, and, and see what you can do out there. Right. So he joins the SCCA and Tom Cruise starts driving for Paul Newman, which, you know, Ali, we just talked about Paul Newman and a guy named Bob Sharp, who was a, a Datsun Nissan guru at the time. You know, the guy that could just kind of get everything done on a Datsun. And he raced in a, in a race prepped Nissan 300ZX in the SCCA competition in New Hampshire, where this particular article comes from. And this is from Jalopnik, by the way. It's right. kind of a, a funny setup. If you want to, if you want to look this up, it's worth it to read the whole story. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but the, uh, the overall thrust of this angle is that Tom Cruise was far too aggressive on the track. I mean, as you might, you might guess that. I mean, you might think that just by his demeanor, really. So maybe it's a lot of the, the good intentions and a lot of the addiction to the, the, the thrill. Yeah, right? that's right. There's a guy named Roger French who was a, an SCCA regional champion and he and, you know, the, this Bob Sharp guy got together and Bob Sharp said to, to Roger French, you know, can you get in the car with, with Cruise and give him a few tips and, you know, you know, some, some helpful hints, I show guess. Show him the ropes. Yeah, show him the way around the track, the fastest way around the track, and see what he does, right? And uh, this uh, Roger French guy, I guess, he's got kind of a, uh, I'll say it's kind of a scathing uh, review of how oh. how Cruz did behind the wheel, actually. He didn't do so well. Um, he A lot of times he, he'd listen to some things, he didn't listen to other things, like he, he uh, burned up the brakes way too early in the race. I think it was like a 30-lap race, and he was out by the 13th lap because... He'd used up his brakes. I mean, I think he ended up having to, you know, crash into a wall to stop or something like that. Um, another guy. Now, <laughs> there's another guy that uh, a member of a Pennsylvania Hill Climb Association forum wrote in and said that um, he watched he watched Tom Cruise try to follow Scott Sharp through the Winston Tower turn at Pocono. <laughs> uh-huh. He says he says Sharp was two classes faster, so he didn't make it. Um, he says, "Oops, need another Nissan," because uh, what happened was. He couldn't get the uh, couldn't get the hang of all the shifts through the turns. I think there were something like seventeen shifts per lap, and he used the brakes so hard that they caught fire midway, and he needed a pit wall to stop. Another red flag. What a dork! That's oh. what he said at the end. So it's like, oh man, he wasn't well liked, I guess, when he really tried this. Well, but in his in his defense, there's a learning curve for anything. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that I would make a fool out oh, of myself. Absolutely, absolutely. But the thing is, they said, you know, we taught him all this, and he seemed to understand it, and he got it. And you know, he said he, they talked through it with him right in the passenger seat. And then as soon as he put the visor down, and the other, you know, the person was out of the vehicle, and he was on the track, he didn't he's, listen. He's right back to that aggressive, aggressive driving, which uh, you know, maybe that paid off for him in that role in Days of Thunder. Who knows? 
Well, that is just an alternative definition of the acronym. Uh, <laughs> and that's not even number one on this list. Number one is, Noel, could we get a drum roll? Thank you. Steve McQueen. Yeah, Steve McQueen. And I don't think that'll surprise a lot of people. Uh, now, Steve McQueen, he died way back in 1980, but you'll know him from a lot of different films. I mean, I guess uh, Bullet is maybe the one that most people will point to. Yeah. Um, you know, the, oh, The Towering Inferno, that was another one that was pretty yeah. cool. But also, what about the movie Lamaze? And uh, that one, that one That's I think nice. is probably the one that really, really pushed this into uh, into race car territory for him. Now, that was way back in 1971. Now, uh-huh. in 1968, I know he was trying to do his own stunts with the bullet racing or the bullet bullet driving, rather, in San right. Francisco and everything. But um, to actually get some serious behind the wheel time in a race car in 1971 in the uh, in the movie Lama, that's got to be uh, that's got to be what really pushed him. Uh, also, um, the thing that I'm most impressed by now, I know Lama. That's true. It is endurance. Um, he also did 12 hours of Sebring, but the Baja. 1000. Mm-hmm. To me, that's impressive just because of the, the traps. Yeah, because he was, <laughs> he was more than anything. I mean, more than a race car driver, he was a motorcycle guy. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, the, the Baja 1000 thing. Now he, uh, there's a, a point in here where they talk about him. Um, I think he was riding with, uh, was it Bud Eakins? I think I, so maybe it's in one of my other notes, but that's one of the guys that initially set up the Baja 1000. I mean, way back in the very beginning. Yep. So he was right in on the, on the, the, the whole inside of this thing. He's no Johnny come lately. Exactly. Sure. And I think we had, you know what? Another one that we recommended was, uh, that, that documentary called On Any Sunday or Any Given Sunday. Yeah. I think it was Any Given Sunday. Yeah. And, uh, he made an appearance in that just because he was there. He was, he was there at these events, these off-road events all the time. It was his passion. Right. He wasn't scheduled to be there as a famous acting cameo. No, exactly. And, you know, there's a, I guess kind of a, a legend about, um, about Steve McQueen is that he was actually scheduled to co-drive with Sir Jackie Stewart at Lamar. I think it was right around the 1971 season when they were doing right. the uh, 70, 71, something like that. Uh, but the studio said that they're going to pull all funding for the film if he were to do that, if he were to compete in the actual event. And he chose the film over the, uh, over actually competing in the event with Jackie Stewart. Which makes me wonder, like, why did the studio say they would pull it? I don't know. Maybe it was a danger aspect that, you know, maybe he, uh, he, he couldn't be driving, uh, I don't know. So maybe they needed him for the rest of the shoot or something, you know, and if <laughs> yeah. he was to take himself out in that, cause that happened, um, unfortunately, but, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess he, when it came down to it, the choice, I guess, it was that he was given the opportunity to drive in one race, one remarkable race with one remarkable driver, you know, Jackie Stewart as right. your co-driver. Right. Or you could drive all summer long pretending to be in that race uh, in, in a race car like he chose to drove to drive all summer yeah. long, which is kind of cool, I guess. But still, I know that's, an, that's a tremendous opportunity to give up. Here's a weird comparison. Um, do you remember Mitch Hedberg? Yes. This reminds are you a Mitch Hedberg fan? I am, yeah. This reminded me of a Mitch Hedberg comparison that he made, uh, a joke he had that I'll paraphrase. Uh, he said he was doing a movie part where he hung out with Willie Nelson, and in the movie, they were smoking pot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because it's a movie... Uh, they're, I, I, they're smoking some sort of fake thing that looks like pot with sure. the real Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. And he said that being in the movie was a lot better than real situations where he's 
smoked actual pot with someone who looks like Willie Nelson. <laughs> he said that happens way more often. <laughs> but I don't know if the comparison is is fair there. There's got to be a story behind that um, but with uh, with McQueen and Stewart, because I would think like it would be so hard to walk away from that race. I guess so. But I mean, that just shows you the level of, of natural talent that Steve McQueen had. I mean, it was really in his blood. He was a he was a race car driver mm-hmm. and, and a motorcycle rider. I mean, a professional motorcycle rider. I mean, he that was what he was really, really good at. He was a good actor, but yeah. he was he was a great driver and, and rider. You know, some people, Anthony Hopkins has said the same thing about himself and pianos uh, he, or playing music, rather. He said that uh, he, he plays classical piano, and he said uh, something along the lines of, well, you know, I'll act to pay the bills because <laughs> you can't make a living off classical music. But by true love. Right. True love is tickling the ivories. Yes. Uh, and we were going to – we're not done with celebrity race car drivers. We're going to be right back to it after a word from our sponsor. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable Internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You know, everybody has their own wellness routine, their own approach to a healthy lifestyle. A lot of the most successful ones include herbs like ginger root, ashwagandha, and so many others. Nature's Way has been sourcing herbs like those for over 50 years. They understand that nature is the ultimate problem solver. So they're dedicated to providing plant-powered formulas to help people live healthier lives. Their herbs can support your health in so many ways. For instance, ginger root and slippery elm bark have both been used for centuries all over the world. Ginger root has traditionally been used to soothe occasional digestive upset and slippery elm bark to soothe the GI tract. St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support, which is something we can all use in our modern life. I mean, these herbs come from all over the world, but Nature's Way knows where the best ones grow. They test for potency in their state-of-the-art lab, and their scientists are experts in all things herbs. What's on the label is what's in your bottle, and what's in your bottle are the best herbs around. To learn more, visit naturesway.com. Yes, and uh, speaking of great segues, now back to the show. 
All right. So here's uh, here's how I think we'll handle this uh, the second part, Ben. We've got uh, another list here, and we're not going to cover it as in depth as we did in the last one, maybe. Okay. But because uh, I do want to get to uh, something at the end here that's uh, is intriguing. We mentioned it earlier on the the celebrity pro races. Right. We always have a little bit extra here, and celebrity pro races are fascinating. So tell you what, let's breeze through this next list because we have. Uh, mentioned quite a few of these people already. Yeah, exactly right. So some of these you've heard of, some of you haven't. We'll maybe throw in a little bit of info here and there, but not like we did in the first half, okay? Yeah. So uh, this is a list of the 10 greatest celebrity racing drivers. It comes from Jalopnik. And there's a few that will raise some eyebrows here, but mostly... Um, I think you'll, you're most heard of most of these. Yeah, exactly right. We mentioned Gene Hackman, number 10 already. We did, exactly right. But, uh, you get a good shot there and some video of, uh, of that amazing Dan Gurney prepared Toyota that he was racing at the oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible vehicle. And here's one that a lot of people won't know. Uh, Jackie Cooper. Uh, Jackie Cooper was in the Superman movies. He was, uh, Perry White. He's yeah. also in the Rockford Files, Kojak, Ironsides, Hawaii Five-0. That'll give you an idea of when he was popular, I guess. You know, that was, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. the 1970s. He was a child actor who became an adult actor and, um, I guess he was racing big Heelys, which is really mm-hmm. cool. So if you get any chance to watch some of the film of him racing, you know, a big Austin Healy, how cool is that? And now we have a journalist, Raymond Baxter. Yeah, Raymond Baxter. Now, this guy, he's a, uh, well, infamous, famous, I guess you'd say, radio, uh, commentator. Yeah. Um, he did some big, big events, I guess. He was with, um, I want, was he with the BBC? Yeah, he was a BBC commentator, and during his younger years, he flew for the Royal Air Force. Oh, cool. And, uh, another thing is that he was an accomplished rally driver. And, uh, that's why we're talking about him right now. He, he competed in the Monte Carlo rally 12 times. Six of those times, he was in a, uh, a BMC works team, which is really, really cool. That's, uh, this needs to be part of the, the actual factory team. Uh, but he did, you know, just to give you an idea of how, you know, prevalent he was, he was a pre- presenter on t- television, a writer. He did radio commentary for Queen Elizabeth II's coronation. He did the funerals of, uh, King George VI, uh, Winston Churchill. Yeah. Um, so he's had some, you know, he, oh, the first flight of the Concorde. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty remarkable that's and some, some yeah. big, um, uh, history changing events, really. Right. Uh, Patrick Dempsey, number seven. Yeah, we already talked about him. Yeah. Oh, here's a good one. Here's <laughs> a good one. I, you know, I think a lot of people won't, uh, recognize Bruce Jenner from anything but that crazy Kardashian show. However, if you, <laughs> if you're older than, I don't know, 20. Right. You would know him as a, an Olympic decathlon athlete. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was a very good athlete, as a matter of fact. I mean, he, uh, when, what year was that? Uh, I want to say the 1976 decathlon is when he, uh, when he, uh, was the winner. I yeah. believe that's right, 1976. Um, he's kind of like a national hero. He's on the Wheaties box. Yeah. Um, you know, big time athlete. And then later, you know, not much later really, he had a win at the, um, at the, the 12 hours of Sebring. Yeah. He and Scott Pruitt won the GTO class in a Mustang. And that was during the eighties. Right? Yeah. 1986 was when he did that. So, I mean, just as recent as 1986, uh, here he is in a, in a race car winning at 12 hours of Sebring. And I'll tell you, Ben, he looks completely different. I was going to say, I was going to, I was wondering which of us would say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's had a little bit of work done, hasn't he? Uh, a little bit of work, yeah. but you know what? Whatever makes you happy, man. We still like the guy. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I like racing. Yeah, so. why not? And here's another one. Uh, another one we like. Eric Bana. Ah, uh, yes, for Eric. our Australian fans. Exactly. And, uh, he does, uh, some rallying, racing, that type of thing. And we talked about Eric before with his 1974 XB Falcon. You remember the movie Love the Beast? Yep. Or the documentary, I guess it was. Yeah, it's documentary. I guess he has a, uh, a, a penchant for racing Porsches as well. So it's mm-hmm. not just his Falcon that he enjoys racing, but, uh, the Porsches as well. So 
I guess he's a very accomplished racer in the rallying world as well. Mm. So um, the next I, one. I submit that we go ahead and skip over James Dean yeah. uh, as we mentioned him earlier before. He's and number four on the list. Yeah, uh, promising career ended too soon. Yep. And uh, then we get to number three, who is James Garner, who we've mentioned briefly, but um, mm-hmm. you probably best know him uh, from the late 1960s, early 70s yep. uh, from, I'd say, the Rockford Files. Maybe that's probably the, the, the place you'd know him the most from. But that right. movie, Grand Prix, and I think it was 1966, I want to say, if I remember my notes correctly. But he raced in... Um, Lola's and Corvettes. Oh, he's got some amazing Corvette photos online. If you search James Garner uh, Racing or James Garner, um, I think what's the name of his team here? I can find it in just a second. Oh, uh, Oh. American International Racing. Exactly. Search for that team name, American International Racing, and you're going to find some beautiful Corvette shots. Um, of his race shop, you know, with uh, with the cars in in partial disassembly and on the track, and it's just really really cool stuff. And now we have number two, Steve McQueen, which we have mentioned earlier. Exactly. Steve McQueen, uh, we already talked about that. They call this guy the king of cool. There's probably a good reason for that. I mean, he really was. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, from the previous list, these two have switched places because number one on this list is Paul Newman. And, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that this guy was, you know, just a pretend racer that you know, he was out there again, just like for the reason a lot of celebrities do it for, for promotional purposes. Right. But this guy was the real deal. I mean, Paul Newman, and Steve McQueen. Those guys were both serious, real deal racers. And so now we go to. Well, there's four others that we can yeah, mention. Right. I, mean, I, I was going to say, now we go to um, a galaxy far, far away. Oh, nice, uh, nice lead in. I am because, so sorry uh, and I, I bet most people can guess who we're talking about here. So let's go ahead and do it. Uh, that is George Lucas. You may know him as the creator of Star Wars, and don't worry, you're correct, it is him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a younger lad, uh, George was dreaming of becoming a race car driver. Mm-hmm. That's right, and he raced at an underground circuit, which was kind of a cool thing, Ben, I guess. But uh, what happened was that uh, he eventually had a bad accident and decided that he would give it up. Yeah, and... Uh, it's, it's sad, but it happens. We yeah. we talked about this happening to other people, and you can't really blame the guy. I mean, if, for instance, it, like in the Jason Priestley case, it, had I been dead for 45 seconds, I don't know what I would do. Uh, well, exactly. Yeah. And you know, that I mean, at this time, he's in he's in high school in Modesto, California. Yeah. He's a young guy. Um, you know, he, he wants to be a race car driver, but he probably also has an interest in film at this point already. I'm, and he I'm probably sure. already wrecked his car. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, maybe I'll try the film thing for a while. And that seemed to work out pretty well for him. We do know he's still a racing fan, however, <laughs> because he regularly appears at the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh-huh, and regardless of what you think about the last round of Star Wars trilogies, it's pretty it's pretty obvious that he kind of shoehorned that racing scene in there. Yeah, that's right. This guy's he's uh maybe didn't have the raw natural talent that it was necessary, but um at least he gave it a shot early on. Well, in he's in high school, so maybe he just didn't pursue it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And here's another one that uh people may not really have thought of. Um Nick Mason. He's a musician, he's a drummer, he's a record producer, he's an author, he's an automobile collector, he's also a racer. Uh, this is the guy who was the drummer for Pink Floyd. So that's, uh, uh, I mean, it's, yeah. I think a lot of people have seen his car collection because, you know, for a while it was, uh, it was 
I don't know, he was appearing in the news that, you know, he had this great car collection. I think he keeps it in an airplane hangar or something like that. And he will loan out vehicles for movies, for films. Oh, cool. And uh, he's got a huge, really interesting, eclectic collection. But I guess he actually drives. I mean, and and when I say I guess he actually drives, I mean, he really drives. Because even back in uh, 1979, I think, well, that was his first Le Mans race. So he's, you know, again, big-time racer at Le Mans. Um, this is right right around the time of the release of the uh, the album The Wall. Uh, he raced several times uh, later in the early 1980s as well, and he returned, I guess, a few different times to Le Mans for the Le Mans Classic race. And not only that, he also attends, you know, the Goodwood Festival of Speed and the Revival as well. So, you know, you see him on the track occasionally. Um, but I guess, Ben, what this says here is that the dark side of the, mo- uh, the moon really pays off. I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is all royalties from, you yeah. know, The Wall, The Dark Side of the Moon. He's right. got uh, countless albums, but... Um, he was there for the whole thing. He's got huge royalty checks coming in from these things. He's got a lot of money to play around with. And this is one of the, the situations at the beginning I was talking about. Right. But he's also got tremendous talent because, I mean, to race in the 24-hour in Le Mans, I mean, that, that takes talent. Oh, I've got one for you. Uh, do you remember the show True Blood? I do. Okay, True Blood vampire show on one of the, I think, on HBO mm-hmm. or Showtime. Yeah, or something like that. It was a cable yeah. show. Yeah, it was a cable show. Uh, one of the leads of that, uh, British actor, Stephen Moyer, turns out that he is kind of a badass racer. Really? Well, he, uh, he at least is, uh, he's been racing since his teenage years, mm-hmm. started driving before he had a license. Um, in 2011, he participated in uh, something called the Toyota Pro Celebrity Race. Ah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, he uh, raised 15 grand for charity. Uh, he also flipped his car. Oh, okay. Well, that's <laughs> uh, you know you could probably find footage of that somewhere. Right. I mean, they, yeah. They've got that stuff you know taped all over the place, so you'll be able to find that. But interesting that you mentioned the uh, Toyota Pro Celebrity Race, Ben, because I want to get to that right after I mention one more person, and that's Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Yeah, that's right. The legendary Chicago Bears running back who died in 1999 of a rare liver disease. He was just 45 years old when he passed away. Oh, that's it's, a shame. It was a shame. But uh, he raced in the Toyota Celebrity Race in Long Beach in 1988 and 1989. Um, but those celebrity races, they, they spawned kind of an interest in racing for him. I mean, he, he drove for two years in the SCCA Pro Sports 2000 Series. And then he went on to the actual Pro Series, the Pro SCCA Series, which is called the SCCA Trans Am Series. Mm-hmm. And he drove for, again, Paul Newman and Bob Sharp uh, in his first Pro Series race, which, you know, I think he dropped out with engine problems or something like that in the first race. But then he went on to race in a Chevy Camaro and a Ford Mustang. And in 1994, you know, he's really got the, the driving bug at this point. Right. Uh, he co-founded something called Peyton Coin Racing um, in 1994, I think maybe it was 1996, which was an IndyCar team um, in the Kart IndyCar World Series, and I think he formed that with Dale Coyne, who was uh, you know Dale Coyne Racing, and I think that's reverted back to Dale Coyne now that Peyton is out of the picture. But uh, for a while, it was Peyton Coyne Racing. Huh. And, you know, I don't know how successful they were. I didn't yeah. look into the record, but, um, again, these guys, they get the bug just by getting that little bitty taste of racing. Like, once you get behind the seat or behind the wheel, it's like, it's, it's gotta be just like the greatest drug, you know? It's just gotta yeah. be super adrenaline rush and, and you always try to get just that little bit more. Yeah, just shave a few seconds off the speed. Exactly. Like, I can do that again and I know I can do better next time. I can get, you know, a better lap time. I know that I can win this thing. And so at some point, Toyota said, Hey, let's take that. And turn it to 
the greater good, right? Yeah, that's right. And they've been doing that since 1977. Mm-hmm. So this has been a race, and it, it runs right through to the present. So it's been around for something like 37 years, I want to say, possibly 38. I'm not sure how the uh, the year works out. Um, but it runs annually. It's, it's run prior to the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach every year in California, and it's a charity event. And to date, they've raised something like, I think that's like $2 million, which they've donated to children's charities. They've had something like 600 participants in this thing, Ben, wow. all along the way. And again, if you listen to the name, it's the Toyota Pro Celebrity Race. They have professional rider drivers and celebrity drivers. And then there's also this this other aspect of it where they have auctions for the children's events or children's hospitals and things that they raise money you know, to um, give somebody a, a chance to drive with the pros and with the celebrities. So you're right. able to you're able to uh, bid your way into the race as well if you want to do that. Right. So you can sh- sit shotgun with you know n- Paul Newman or something, exactly. but not not anymore. But exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's a it's a again a charity driven event, and and Toyota is is flipping the bill for you know almost everything here, almost everything because for every driver, Toyota donates something like five thousand dollars to Racing for Kids, which is a national uh, you know fundraising program for children's hospitals in the United States. And then the race winner also gets to donate $5,000 from Toyota to any charity of their choice. So it doesn't have to go to that charity. Um, so everybody has their own charity that they're racing for as well, in addition to, you know, the, the racing for kids. And then People Magazine jumps in with a $15,000 offer for the pole position winner who can also donate to a charity of their choice. Right. So maybe that's what, uh, I don't know, maybe Stephen Moyer, Stephen got. Moyer got. I'm not sure how that worked out. And it has celebrities as well that, you know, are people that are at the, you know, at the top of their game. It has, you know, movie and film actors, television actors as well, and local celebrities will show up too, you know, like people that are, you know, the, the editor in chief of the local newspaper or the, the local television news anchor will also be there. Right. Yeah. But, but some of the bigger ones that, that we've heard of over the years, and there's, there's a huge list here. And I'm not going to go through this, by the way. We're almost done. And I've got a, a shorter list at the end that I do want to get to. Okay. Uh, but there have been astronauts that have competed in this, like like Buzz Aldrin, Pete yep. Conrad. They've competed. Um, there have been multiple race uh, celebrity winners. You know, they break these down into a lot of different factors here. So, like for trivia, I guess if you want yeah. to call it that. Um, NFL stars, like um, you know, think back to the days of Lynn Swan and and uh, you know Joe Montana and Mark nice. Gastineau. Those yeah. guys, of course, Walter Payton. We mentioned he won it twice in 1988 and 1989. Uh, Tony Dorsett. There's Olympic medalists here, like uh, we mentioned Bruce Jenner, but there's also Carl Lewis and Peekaboo Street and, you know, you remember Bart Connor, that guy, Mary, yeah. Mary Lou Retton, she raced in it. Wow. Um, a lot of, a lot of, well, there's daytime soap opera stars that race in it. There's oh, we can skip that part. Lots of female, <laughs> lots of female entries as well. There are TV duos, so like, you know, um, I guess like Lorenzo Lamas and Anna Alicia from Falcon Crest, if you remember that show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Frankie Munez and Justin Beerfield from Malcolm in the Middle, they raced as a duo. Oh, cool. Uh, famous children, there's, uh, you know, there's also categories here like most money paid to race with the stars. So, you know, these are the ones that buy in via the, um, the auction. Yeah. And they'll pay up to $110,000 each, Ben, Whoa. to race with the celebrities and the pros in these things. So it's a, uh, it's a big time money generator. And the final thing that I want to come to here, though, because the last list is that celebrities who have raced in this in this race, the uh, the Toyota Celebrity Race, and then have gone on to race professionally after participating in that race. Oh, cool! Okay, and I'll just quickly laundry list this, and then we're yeah. done. All right. So there's Josh Brolin, Patrick Dempsey, Sean Patrick Flannery, Mark Paul Gosler, 
Gene Hackman, Robert Hayes, Bruce Jenner, Perry King, Lorenzo Lamas, Frankie Muniz, Donnie Osmond, which was a surprise to me, <laughs> Walter Payton, Jason Priestley, Alfonso Ribeiro, Paul Williams, and Jesse James. So there's a, you know, a, a good number of people that have gone on to race professionally because they had that kind of, uh, I guess the racing bug bit them at that point. Yeah, they got the taste. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what happened. They got the taste of mm-hmm. uh, racing blood. And, and again, if you go to Toyota Pro Celebrity Race Trivia, you'll find all of this information, and you can kind of dissect this information however you want, but there's some really interesting stats there. And if you would like to tell us about the celebrities that we missed, I'm sure there are multitudes. <laughs> there's probably hundreds. You can let us know on Facebook, and you can let us know on Twitter, but only if you go and check out our awesome website on the way, carstuffshow.com. We're using the honor system. And there's another way to get in contact with us, but before we tell you that, Scott, how about we do some listener mail? Let's do it. All right, so Bruce H. writes to us to say, Hi, Scott and Ben. Thanks for a great show. Always interesting. Your mention of the Owasso Pulse sparked my memory of a pulse that I saw last year at LeMay America's Car Museum in Tacoma, Washington. If you are ever in the Seattle-Tacoma area, I would recommend checking it out. It's a nice larger auto museum with an interesting collection of early 20th century luxury cars. You got me, Bruce. Uh, mid-century American and European sports cars and sedans, and a number of eccentric pieces, such as the Ferrambo, a Rambler station wagon restyled as a Ferrari. Oh, boy. The Flintmobile from the 1994 Flintstones movie. Uh, wait, was John Goodman in that one? Possibly, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I barely remember I could that. see him as Fred Flintstone. <laughs> And the 1946 Shalford Electric Surrey. I'm enclosing some photos of the Pulse and the Shalford. You can also see the Pulse on their website. He has the uh, address here, and then he just says, cheers. I remember this note, and I replied to him. And you I did. That, uh, that Shalford, that vehicle is extraordinary. What year did you say that was, 1946? Uh, yeah, 1946. That does not look like something from 1946. Looks, that looks uh, very futuristic. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a cool design. I, and thanks for the pictures of the Owasso, by the way. Uh, those are pretty rare to see. Yeah, and uh, if you guys have any recommendations for museums that we should check out, car shows we should take a closer look at, we'd love to hear about them. And, of course, if uh, it is very important for you uh, that we tell people a celebrity we miss, please write in with your recommendations. You can take a page from Bruce's book and email us directly. We are carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. If you're committed to living a healthier life, you might want to look into working herbs into your wellness routine. There's a reason people have trusted them for thousands of years. Nature's Way understands that nature is the ultimate problem solver, and they're constantly inspired by the power of nature. For example, their ginger root and slippery elm bark have been traditionally used for digestive support. And St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support. And because Nature's Way sources from around the world and does a ton of comprehensive potency and quality testing in their state-of-the-art lab, you can be sure you're getting top-quality herbs. To learn more, visit naturesway.com. 
What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.